Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit, where we discuss and explore issues related to spirituality in a manner that questions everything. We start from a premise that everything comes from somewhere and work to understand the unexplainable. We always endeavor to have a great time discussing a serious topic with the hopes of offering inspiring thoughts and ideas that allow for growth, evolution, and transformation. We always begin by inviting Spirit to join us in this conversation and guide our words and intentions so that we express things in a manner that is true and inspirational. And we are always thankful and extremely grateful for the opportunity to serve. Greetings and welcome to our next episode of Tapping Into Spirit. I'm your co-host, Dr. Anthony Smith, joining you this evening. And I'm your co-host, Glenda Jones. Welcome to Tapping Into Spirit. This evening, we're joined by our wonderful friend and colleague, Ife Tayo, who is going to discuss with us this topic of uh, the transitioning of people from Christianity to various African spiritual systems and what that looks like, why it's happening. Um, We're going to delve into some of the backstory and understanding of why it's occurring and what it means for us moving forward. Um, so welcome, Ife Tayo. How are you doing today? Alafia, how are you? I am doing well, and it is just a pleasure being here with the both of you. You're two of my favorite people in the world. And I want to welcome you back because we have interviewed her before. That's correct. And that That's was correct. such a Season wonderful one. interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation this evening. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So how have things been for you this past year, um, just dealing with this COVID and dealing with life in general? Well, you know, we have an annual Odoo and, you know, the Odoo actually predicted that some of this was going to be, that things were going to be the way that they are. So, so, so hold on, let me, let me get you no. to explain <laughs> what Odoo is for those of our listeners who don't know the terminology. And Odoo is the, um, the oracle of wisdom that Olin Dumare handed down to Arumala. And every time a Babalao or an Yanifa or an um, Orisha priestess cast either the Iking or the Aprele or the or Erendeligun, which is 16 Kaui, a representation of an Odu falls on the mat. And the Odu gives messages of what is going on in a person's life or what that person can expect in the future. So um, there are 16 major Odus and a, a combination of the 16 make up the, we call it, some people call it minor Odus, but it's 246. So collectively there's 256 Odus. And under each one, there are thousands and thousands of verses because people are constantly um, 
that divination is constantly happening. And divination itself is supposed to be the connection to the divine. Mm -hmm. so, so as, go ahead. So is it proper to say that the Odu uh, provides a, an understanding or a prescription of a particular energy that may be um, a person or, or energy is dealing with at that time and gives you some information about how to then move based on what is being presented when a person would sit down with um, a Babalawa or a Ianifa to get that information. Absolutely. Okay. So Absolutely. this so this Odu came out, and you were saying that the Odu talked about some of the difficulties of this year and that we're facing. I think that's where you were going with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some of the difficulties we're facing not to put it lightly, but some of the sickness, the illness, and the death that we've encountered um, over this, this year um, and, and some, of, uh, some of last year as well. So um, not to put it lightly, but to say that, yes, a little of what's happening now was to be expected because it was um, forecast in the yearly Odu. Okay. I just want to mention, there may be some people who don't understand, don't know that she's what she's referring to. Oladumari, Oladumare okay. is a name for the Most High. Okay, so Oladumare is a name for um, the 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 energy that governs the universe. So it's not necessarily what we know here in the Western world as God, because we consider God as someone that you know um resides in the heavens mm -hmm. and watches over the earth but olandumare is an energy that is responsible for the entire universe mm -hmm. and so doesn't necessarily get involved with human interactions because those are the responsibility that's the responsibilities of the orisha but yes so olandumare we consider we translate that into saying god because we don't consider a being higher than God that lives in the heavens in our, in our spirituality or in our theology here in the Western world. I just wanted to mention that because some people may not even know. Right. Yeah. Yes. I mean, not yeah. too many years ago, that was new for me. And this is all part of the, the Yoruba tradition, which you are um, a, a practitioner of Ifa, right? Uh, Bani, which means yes. But um, there are other African spiritualities um, in the um, West African area that also consider the God concept as a universal um, sure. governing energy. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So um, in terms of transitioning that into our, our topic of conversation tonight, and it's good to have that terminology because what I see happening uh, is that in our popular culture, in our music, in our movies, even our television shows, we are seeing references to these, um, in particular, Yoruba um, terminology being used. If I think about uh, just this recent uh, Lovecraft Country, um, which is recently out, and I saw in there represent, uh, I saw in there, they talked about the Ori, 
<laughs> which is the, the head in Yoruba. They talked about um, several of the Orisha, Yemoja, and I believe Oshun, maybe even Oya was mentioned, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so it's right there, boom. And then you can go back a little bit further. We see that Beyonce um, in her Lemonade uh, present uh, production, she had a number of references to the Yoruba pantheon and Orisha and things of that nature. Um, but for, you know, what's interesting, I remember, y'all remember Love Jones? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Remember the movie Love Jones? Yes. Darius Love Hall. Darius Love Hall. Doing poetry. You, you, are you Yemo Ja? Oh, hell, hell no. no. You got to <laughs> Right? And most of us had no idea what he was referring to. Exactly. I know exactly. I didn't at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so funny that because I'm going to go back to that initial question, um, Dr. Smith, but it's funny how... Um, we go back and we listen to you, you, the movies and the music that we used to listen to back in the day, but because we were not, you know, um, exposed to the level of knowledge that we're exposed to now, we really didn't know what people were singing about, talking about, or, you know, what some of the movies were about. But now we go back and we're like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I see, yes. But yeah, to go back to your point, um, and not only Lemonade, but Black is King. She Black is was, that's the one, yeah. Was it Black is King? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, she really she really went out on yeah. um on, on, on Black is King. But to go back to what you um initially was saying, um from my perspective, it is it is it's a cultural thing. First and foremost, what we have to understand is that religion is a subset of culture and not the opposite. Once we understand that, then we understand how individuals relate to God. Okay, so, so everybody- break, break that down a bit. What do you mean religion is a subset of culture? Yeah, cul yeah. Culture is the norms and the values that individuals live by in a society. Mm -hmm. So in that society, they determine what's right and what's wrong. If you steal, that's wrong. That's almost wrong in every culture. You know, if you don't bow down to your elders and greet your elders, that's considered inappropriate. That's in some cultures. Here in the Western world, we don't do that. So in our culture, we determine what our norms and values are. The other thing that we determine in our culture is how we relate and communicate to God. In the Yoruba culture, they use the akin, the aprele, in their, in their divination to get messages from God. In some other cultures, they use other instruments to communicate with the divine. So it's the culture that sets the um, that pretty much sets the standard of what is used and what um, is um, it's really what it what is theology of what the theology of that culture. So when you move around the globe, you see people doing different things, but connecting with the divine and 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 explaining the characteristics of the divine almost being the same. 
Hmm. Okay. Very good. Just like I just said here in the in the in the Christian in the Christian um, theology, we look at God as being God in the heavens. In the Yoruba theology, we look at God as being the God over the universe. And other different theologies, they will have a God as well, but it may be a you know it may be a a, a just a minor different definition or characteristic of God. Mm-hmm. So culture itself sets the parameters of how we interact with God. And once we understand that, then it's easier for us to have more of a tolerance for someone else's way of practice. Mm-hmm. In the Yoruba tradition, there is an Odu that talks about having respect for anyone that practices something other than the West African Orisha um, spirituality. So I am supposed to respect the man who practices Christianity. I am supposed to respect the man who practices Islam because that person is connecting to the divine in the way that his or her culture has determined him or her to do. Okay, very good. So is that actually happening or is that aspirational? Is that what? What was the first word? Is that actually happening within the culture, within the tradition, or is it aspirational? It all depends on how the person is taught. And in the same thing with um, other, other theologies, it all depends on how the person is, is taught. Um, I think once you really get into, once you really dive into, I can only speak for West African Orisha, when you dive into the, the knowledge, you know, the, 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 the technology of it, you begin to understand the beauty of, of the universe and how God, how God is connected to each and every one of us. Mm-hmm. And that in of itself gives you respect for whatever another person does, is, or wants to do. Right. But the, the reason why I ask is aspirational because on its surface, like the words and the ideology are great, like, yes. But are people doing that in terms of what's actually manifesting in our day-to-day interactions, in our daily interactions? Or is it another situation where we're just merely holding on to our way of looking at something and saying everybody else is wrong and need to get with what I'm doing? And see, you know what, you made a very good, you made a very interesting point there when you said holding on to the way that I am doing something and everybody else is wrong. That's very, very personal and selfish. I I think that's the selfish way of looking at anything. I think the more and more you dive into spirit, you move away from the, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You become more humble. You become more humble in who you are and what you do. And you know that the force that 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 is out and, and the force that lives within you is much greater than you just being that, that it's being all about just you. Mm-hmm. So my my point is, and, I, and I've seen this even with, you know, I transitioned out of Christianity into West African Orisha, but I've I've gone, I've done that three that 360, you know, turn because. I can remember some of the elders in Christianity were so humble. 
so loving, so kind, and really not judgmental at all because they had reached a certain level of spirituality in that way of life. Mm -hmm. And I think as we move into traditional African um, spirituality and we begin to grow in that way of life, we do the, we, we tend to do the same thing. Spirit will, you know, rise up and the humility that it takes to have respect for others and what they do surfaces. Mm -hmm. I um, commend you because you are an evolved spiritual being. And part of the, uh, part of the ability to be able to understand that different cultures tap into the creator in different ways and to have tolerance, acceptance, and lack judgment for other ways of practice takes a level of evolution that from my experience, has grown some as a whole, but is still not as uh, popular as I think it will and should be. Um, we, we have a lot of different practices who still believe that if you, I'll say Christianity, for example, if you aren't mm -hmm. Christian, the only way to God is through Jesus. And if not, you are going to hell. You're condemned. <laughs> See, I think, I think that that's the case. And that's why I'm asking the question, is it aspirational? But I think on the on the surf, like it's great, like what you said and the way you live. And that's the way I, I, I work to live my life as well. But when I look at any any almost any spiritual tradition as a whole, the people involved in that system believe that their way is the right way as opposed to being a right way and you know you're absolutely right i mean that's that's the practical that's that's the practicalness of it that's yeah that's how people operate in in, in our world the majority of them i'm not going to say all of them because i you know like i said I've, I've experienced people that have evolved and in african spirituality you know whenever they ask you how many arisha there you know how, how many arisha are they there's 201 Arisha, 401 Arisha, 2001 Arisha. That one is always you. The, uh, your ability to elevate to that level of what we call Arisha. And so that's why we're always trying to go within ourselves because in, 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 in African spirituality, there is no devil. You can't blame it on the devil. <laughs> you know, it's all about the choices that you make and the things that you do. So I can't say, oh, girl, honey, the devil made me do it. I'm so, no, mm -mm. you're responsible for that. So the more you go, it's, it's, it's an introspection. The more you go within yourself, understanding the God, the spiritual God that lives within you and allowing that to develop, you move, you know, more to that Orisha state in your life. You know, some people say, oh, well, I'm, 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 I'm past the, I've, I've elevated from the physical and now I'm, I'm on the spiritual plane. It's just, it's an elevation of moving away from 
self, materialistic things and you know, looking at things from a spiritual standpoint. And we all have that path, regardless of what path we're on. We all have that path of development, you know, in, in Christianity. I remember we used to say, um, let the mind of Christ also be in me or, or um, you know, we're, we're even, I think there's a, there was a scripture about even as I am, so you should be or whatever, asking for the individual to elevate spiritually, mm-hmm. to move more to a Christo state because Christ in and of itself is a title, not necessarily a person. So you're trying to move to that state of being more Christ-like. We're moving to a state to be more like Orisha. Now that's two different things, but it's still supposed to be a spiritual, a level of, of ele- a level of elevation. Right. Of spiritual elevation. A process of, of moving through. And, but and and yet it's do you think that it's happening frequently? I as think you, it's be, I think it's beginning, I think it's beginning to happen more. And 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 let me let me let me let me step back a little bit too and and, and say that, you know, the reason why I started off with saying that religion is a subset of culture is because we have to really begin to understand that most of the do's and don'ts in any of the religions that we have or that exist on earth were written by man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They were written by man. And, you know, some people say, oh, well, this was inspired by God. Well, you know, Everybody thinks that their way of life or their way of connecting to the divine was inspired by God. And that's okay. But we're talking about the transitioning of people that are moving out of Christianity into African traditional spirituality. And part of the problem is that some of what was written in the Christian text says that if they consider any other way, they're going to die and go to hell. Right, right. So it's important for us to understand that if this was written by man, what was the reason or the rationale for some of what was in, what is currently, what is in the current book, why it's there? Right. What are some of the politics behind? The politics behind it, the culture behind it, all of that. And, th- and that's another reason why I'm in African spirituality, because the culture that was surrounded around the, the um, evolution of the, of the Christian text was not my culture. Mm-hmm. So that's why I look more to traditional African, West African Orisha, because when I, you know, when I look at where my family, you know, where my family's from in the majority of a majority of us here in the U.S., majority of African-Americans here in the U.S. are either from, you know, Nigeria or Ghana or all of that place, all of those areas that used to be called the Guinea Coast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of why I kind of moved toward this way of life because I wanted to learn about my ancestors and about the culture that existed and the way in which they connected with the divine. 
And I'm finding that 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 way of connecting with the divine has helped me to elevate more spiritually than I did when I was a Christian. Mm. Okay. After that, um, we were talking, you, when you're mentioning the um, people being afraid, they're holding on to their old beliefs. It wasn't beneficial to those who use Christianity to control a group of people, to have those people be able to think independently outside of what they've been fed. I mean, it's a reality that Christianity was used to control our ancestors. And so be a, being a free thinker wouldn't be beneficial. So there are some things like there's generational trauma that carries on. There are things that we still do today because it's what we know. And exactly. to break down everything you know or to even question a little of it can be uncomfortable for so many people. I, I wanna ask you because I know that, um, I know you well enough to know that as a Christian, you studied, you learned, you were dedicated and devoted to your practice as, as you are now in the Yoruba practice. Early on, when you began the transition from Christianity to an African spiritual practice, what was your what were some of the experiences you had with people you went to church with, family, other people who were in the practice with you? Very, very, very good question. <laughs> I'm gonna start answering that by telling you the experiences that I was having with myself. Okay, that's a great one. <laughs> Coming, coming out of coming out of Christianity is almost like changing your DNA. Because as, as you said, as a Christian, I was a devout Christian and I believed in every single word that was written in the Bible. It wasn't, it, it, God just kept calling me, calling me, calling me to study more and study more and study more. And I began to study and I began to study commentary. When you start reading all the different commentaries, that, that, that takes you down a different path. Mm -hmm. And once I started studying the commentary, you know, people always say, well, in the Hebrew term, that meant such and such and such. As, and in the Greek term, that meant such and such and such and such. So it makes you wonder, well, what does the Hebrew and the Greek has to have to do with all of this? So you start to study the history. When you start to study the history, because of course, initially as a Christian, I felt that the, that the Bible was the unadulterated word of God, you know, inspired by God, written by man's hand, but it was the true and the only word of God. So then when I started really studying the history and I started studying the history of what happened in Egypt and, you know, then I started looking at all these little other names that was being used. And I'm like, well, in Egypt, they had a whole nother religion. So let me look at that religion. And I started looking at that religion. And, you know, then I, I kind of understood what happened with Moses in Egypt. You know, that Moses was, you know, reared by the Egyptians. He was actually, he was actually being prepared to become Pharaoh. And the thing about becoming Pharaoh, you actually had to study the mysticism of Egypt. Mm -hmm. You couldn't just become Pharaoh. You had to understand the mysticisms of Egypt and, and the, the, the mysticisms of the Mayotte religion. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. and all of that. So Moses was well educated in all of that. But when Moses found out that he was a Hebrew, he did not know the Hebrew God at that moment. He just found out he wasn't Hebrew. He decided that he wanted to be with his culture. He decided that he wanted to be with his people. It was only after going to be with the Hebrews that he developed a relationship with the Hebrew God. But it was his culture that he desired, his family, his community, the how they lived, the norms and the values of the way they lived is what Moses desired more than anything else. And it was only after he got there that he was confronted with Jehovah. So that, that, that made me think, that was like, well, you know, where, what is my culture? Where are my people from? What did they do? What did they learn? How did they communicate with God? And so that, you know, that path, I found myself kind of perplexed and I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's when I started to learn that religion was a subset of culture and that the religion, you know, you know, majority of the texts of, of different religions were really written by man and that God loved all people, not just Christians, that God was there available and waiting for every man and had his interactions with every man the way that that man interacted with him or woman interacted with him. And so I found myself on my face on the floor of a bedroom in my house crying because I, for a minute there, I felt that I had been lied to. I had been lied to saying this was the only way I could get to God, realizing that there was so many other ways, not only for me to get to God, but for all people to get to God. And so that made me start to search out my culture and the norms and the values of the people that lived the way my ancestors lived. And that's what brought me into West African Orisha. So after that, the good thing about this, <laughs> um, Glenda, is it happened when I moved away from home. Yeah. So a lot of people didn't see the transition. You know, my, my, my husband at the time saw it and was very uncomfortable with it. People that in, 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 in the city, they, they saw it, but they didn't know my pedigree. You know, they didn't know from whence I cometh. So I didn't have that type of relationship with them that I had with the people back at home. Okay. But I didn't communicate with home much. I would come down and visit and visit and that would, that would be it. It was only when I got back to South Florida that people knew that there, I mean, it was obvious that there was a, a major change in my life and that um, I had already initiated to um, the um, West African Orisha um, tradition. And therefore, when I came back, I came back as a priestess. And I've had some very hard um, experiences, not only with my family, not only in my social life, not only in my work life, it's, it's been really bad. 
I wouldn't say really bad. It's been hard. It's been difficult. But it's also given me an opportunity to do exactly what I'm doing right now. Because the, the beauty about this is that people know me. Mm-hmm. Like they know who I am and they know my heart. And so they're like, well, <laughs> it can't be all that bad if, 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 if Dawn's doing it because we know Dawn, we know her pedigree. That's what I was saying. But the people in, in, in the other places where I, where I live didn't really know my pedigree. Well, I know her pedigree. I know who she is. I know who raised her. I know what school she went to and what church she went to. So I know she's a good person. So why is she doing this? But the more and more and more I live my life out, people can see that it is, it is, it is honoring the Orisha and it's honoring Olindumare and it's honoring Ifa and, and all that West African Orisha has um, in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes, it was it's it's hard and it still is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me, um, you know, in, in my family they had a, uh, a a particularly hard time as I made my transition. Um, there, because of the way they, I mean, my my father's a Pentecostal uh, minister, and my mom's a usher board missionary. They over to Sunday school, and that that was my life, and. Um, it was like you're doing this, you're worshiping the devil, and your your soul is gonna be lost, and all of this stuff. And uh, my brother had a conversation with him one time, and he said, you know, if you look at the way he lives his life and the way he treats people and what he does for people, you have you can't com- you can't complain. Like you could put anybody in your church up against him, and He's gonna win out. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. It became a matter of actions versus values. And I can say that over time, you know, they still don't, <laughs> they're still down with what they do and they still don't right. don't um like what I do. Uh, but there's an appreciation for the way that the, I live my life. The EY and, pe- the EY Pele that you demonstrate. You right. know, the gentle character, the EY Ray, the EY Ray Ray that you demonstrate, the good character. And that's the one thing that, you know, in the in the um oracle, it calls for us to have and demonstrate good character. Mm-hmm. And you know, so and and the same thing with me, Dr. Smith. You know, I stand my ground. I'm 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 a firm, I'm a I'm a firm person, you know, but I am a fair person and you know so people judge you by what they see you do and um and say so and the way they see you carry because that doesn't mean that you know i'm by any means perfect so i don't want anybody to get that get that twisted but it means that there's a level of accountability for um who you are and how you walk in this world we all get to be human and um try to figure out how to navigate the various different obstacles and adversities that we face. Um, nobody is without those. We all have something that we're challenged with. And until we stop breathing, I, I don't believe until we stop breathing, we stop dealing with those things. We There's so much to learn and so much to take in that it's, it's always right there for us. 
Um, let's say let's say that it's there's so much to learn and there's so much to take in that it takes more than one lifetime. Sure. Yeah. To learn it or to take it in. So yes. Yeah, and in West African Arisha, the, there's a lot of concepts in Christianity that you really have to do away with, redefine, um, you know, and I think it's levels of growth that takes you from one point to the next, you it's know. Like a, it's like a retraining your mind, right? Changing your DNA. Right. It's changing and, your DNA. <laughs> and so as you're doing that, were there times early on that you felt like, ooh, I'm doing, ooh, I've been taught, like your brain is telling you one thing, but you know what you're experiencing. Did you did you have that happen for you? Absolutely. Um, you know, there is a book that uh, one of the Ias um, wrote, um, The Core of Fire, The Core of Fire. And, you know, she talks about how when you transition into the West African Orisha way of life, out of Christianity, you still find yourself in moments saying, you know, at the spur of the moment, Jesus! Yes. <laughs> oh my God, Lord have mercy. You find yourself still saying those things because that was ingrained in you. Right. And it takes time for you. Like I say, it's like changing your DNA. It takes time for you to transition into the ways of West African Orisha, the theology and 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 the 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 understanding, the whole God, just the whole God concept itself, mm -hmm. you know, and 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 um, understanding how the Yoruba or how the West African Orisha um, perceives God as opposed to Christianity. You know, the way they look at sin. We don't we don't think that we all are living in sin because two people decided to buy the apple 2000 years ago and I don't and I don't say that to minimize the 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 spiritual what I want to say the spiritual concept of it you know uh, you know we have to understand that sometimes you need stories to understand things you know I think it's more of a story of teaching right and wrong you know, or more of a story of teaching obedience and disobedience, yeah, yeah. as opposed to something that has permeated through 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 time, and and I, I'm responsible for what someone else did. Right. So no, but you know, so um, yeah, moving out of that that thought that you know I'm a sinner because you know sin was committed in the Garden of Eden. That's one thing. Understanding balance, understanding that, yeah, I'm going to do some bad things in my life, but I need to balance that out with some good things too. You know, I need to do good things as well. You know, um, you know, understanding um, going to the mat to understand the energy of the day, to understand, you know, that, that there is, you know, spiritual powers that are not so much just me talking about it in church but that it, you know, it actually, it actually exists and that I have the power to control things around me, you know? And it's, and I, the reason I say it's not all that different, it, there's some, there's some differences, but 
when I was first beginning to, to study on my transitioning, I had a teacher and he told me, the lesson he gave me was to get a red letter Bible. He says, get a red letter Bible and only read the red writing. Don't read anything else. Don't read what they said about Christ. Read the words of Christ. And don't, don't think of the interpretation you've been giving you've been given of what he said. Just read what he says and that's it. And when I went back to that, it's not so far away from some of the things that I believe now, my ability to speak things into existence, you know, my ability to, you know, walk on water or make it rain or call somebody from the dead. If Christ told you that, greater works will you be able to do? Why don't we believe we have the power to do that? Now, I don't want you to think that West African Arisha is magic, and some of it is, um, that you can just sit down and, and, and expect the ancestors and the Arishas to do whatever you want them to do. No, that's not how it works. You know, it's that Iwapele, it's that constant appeasement, it's that, you know, that, you know, being in being in that energy on a regular basis is that gives you that elevates you spiritually and gives you the power to do some things and of course there are some concoctions that you can put together and um make things happen as well but christ said it all you know all the things you know moving stone you know telling the mountain the mountain can move but we don't really believe we can do that when somebody says, okay, I'm going to make Mount, I'm, I'm going to make this stone move. Then you run away and you say it's witchcraft mm -hmm. or you say it's this. So that was my first lesson. My first lesson was to read the Bible, the red letter Bible, and only read that and not think of any of the interpretations that were given to me, but just reading the red letter and that's it. And I learned more about the whole message of the essence of Christ that was being given. It was very feminine, first and foremost. Love thy neighbor as yourself, turn the other cheek. It was bringing back into balance the femininity, the feminality of, you know, the, 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 the energy of, of the female mm -hmm. because it had been, you know, metaphysically things had been pushed to more of a, a male energy in, in, in the universe at the time that it was bringing back that, that loving kindness that we all need. And we need some loving kindness right now in our country, don't we? <laughs> Definitely. One of the things that you were talking about, even with the bringing back the feminine principles in Christianity, we call God, he, we say father God. And when you really read your Bible, if one of the names or attributes of the creator was the breasted one who fed the children, and I don't know many men who have breasts that can feed children. So there have to be some female attributes to this creator. Um, the creator chose the woman for life to come through. There has to be something to the female attributes, and we don't really celebrate that in the way that we should in Christianity. Another thing that you were saying that um, I resonate with is that 
And I have a little information about quite a few different spiritual practices. And at the core of all of them, there are things that connect all of them that are very similar. There are not a whole lot of differences. Um, and when we are able to read the red letters and not think about our interpretation of it, we would be able to see from eyes that would connect us more versus separating us. So I really did, I, I, I have never read just the red letters, but that's something that I'm gonna do. I think that would be, that's a really interesting exercise. And you know, even if it doesn't connect us more, at least it gives us a tolerance for each other. Because sometimes, you know, there there's some things about West African Orisha that is just diabolically different from Christianity. And people will eventually, you know, those who are transitioning will eventually rise to that level of knowledge. Will eventually rise to that level of knowledge. But um, until you do, it gives you a sense of tolerance you know there, there's there's things that I'm I may do in my in my spiritual walk that um that other people can't appreciate um but once they learn about what I do as a, and me learning about what they do then we have a tolerance for each other like a lot of people like we do we do animal sacrifice okay and people think that is the worst thing in the world. You know, they think West African Orisha um, animal sacrifice is the worst thing. In, well, here in the Western culture, they think that's the worst thing in the world. And until they really understand the cultural part of it, you know, people, this is a very ancient religion. This, this religion is not 2000 years old. This religion is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old when people actually raise their own animals in their backyard. And people still do that now in certain parts of the world, in certain parts of the, of the, of the- um, They do that the, here. Even right. in the US, right. right but that was the only way back then, you raised your animals. And in the West African Orisha practice, People love their animals. They raise their goats, they raise their chickens, they raise, you know, their their hens and their and their roosters right there in their yard. They the kids played with those animals, you know, and they even named them. They even gave them names. But when it was time to eat, they would go back and take one. Now, they didn't just slaughter an animal and and you know, uh, or, or or let's go to the slaughterhouse. Have a million animals, and they all slaughtered at one time, and they're you know cleaned and plucked, and you know da da da, da and then put packaged and put in a, a a grocery store. Grocery stores didn't even exist then. So not only the family would come together, they would pray over that animal, thank that animal for its life. And because that animal was an extension of their family, they would even whisper prayers to that animal to take into the land of the ancestors. That's how much they adored the life of those animals. And then after that animal was sacrificed, every part of that animal was used. The blood was used as life force to appease the Orisha. 
and if you eat, I, I can I can remember being in Africa recently, and I saw the feather the feather of the the wing of one of the um of the roosters. The young man took it and he wet it and he turned twisted it and he started using it as a Q-tip in his ear. And I had never seen that before. But everything about that animal was used for the betterment of the life of that family. So it's not just a, just sacrificing animals. In the West African Orisha tradition, when you kill an animal, that animal is killed to feed those who are around. And you two you have experienced this with me in Africa where the whole community comes together. Mm -hmm. And especially if they have an initiation because there's multiple animals that are used um, in that, in that, um, in, in those, in those um, rituals and the entire community is fed. The what, what you're speaking to, um, people have to be willing to come out of their bubble of what they've been taught, right? Um, so, and in, in, I think for most of us in our in this country, and you you see the polarization with um, things the way they've been happening this year. Uh, people will die on the hill of what it is that they believe, in even in the face of just evidence that you cannot even argue with. They're still going to maintain their point because their ego says, I cannot give up this point and admit I was wrong. Some people have even after the fact said, yeah, I knew I was wrong, but I just wasn't gonna, gonna admit it in that situation. Like that's great, that's bananas. And so, but we have been trained in that way. And so if we were brought up in a way where this was the norm, we wouldn't be tripping. It's just like, oh, that's just what we do. Because you were sacrificing animals, eating Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like you're going to judge someone else for sacrificing an animal, but you're eating an animal. You're still right. eating. Exactly, exactly. And you're eating an animal they didn't even pray for. Like and they just, you're eating they, a genetically they, modified animal that probably has four wings. And yeah, so that, that, <laughs> yeah that, that has been prodded and poked and, and injected and all of that. But yeah, and, and, and that, that, that is what it is. And, and that's the hypocrisy of it. Just simple right. as that. It that is. is the hypocrisy because even and we're, when we're talking about transitioning out of Christianity, even in Christianity, you know, when you read the Old Testament, there was sacrifice. Yes. Not only was there sacrifice of animals, but there was human sacrifice <laughs> too. Because if there wasn't human sacrifice, Abraham wouldn't have never taken. Was it Abraham? Abraham wouldn't have never taken his son to sacrifice it as God had called him to do it. If that if that was out of the norm, if that but, was something that but, wasn't but wasn't he didn't complete it though. He didn't he didn't carry right, it. Right, but but understand he, what I'm saying though, the Anthony. I, I know, understand I'm just, what I'm saying. I'm understand being, what I'm saying. I'm just that being that if, other person. <laughs> okay, and, and he didn't complete it. You're absolutely right. But understand what I'm saying. If it's something that was out of the norm, he would have procrastinated. He would have said, God, please, no. He didn't question at all. He took that child and laid him down and grabbed that knife and was ready to cut him. At least that's the story that I've been, I've been taught. I feel like you. That wasn't the first time. It that already happened many times before. That's why Abraham was comfortable. Like, okay, that's not Abraham what I want to do, 
but I love God and this is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to do. Exactly. But okay. So now, so now let's move on. Cause I think a lot of, a lot of religions, the subset of culture has evolved. We've evolved as time has evolved. And therefore, no, we don't see the need to sacrifice. They don't, they don't sacrifice humans in Christianity anymore, but blood was still required. Which is communion. And, and honestly, when you think about it in communion, what do you say? I am drinking the blood and I'm eating the body. That's all. What do they call that? When you eat somebody, that's a ritual of cannibalism. So when you start looking at the symbology of all of that, the symbolism and how it relates to, a, there's no religion that doesn't require blood sacrifice in some form or fashion. None. Because we see blood as a life force. Right. There's, and, a, there's a, um, a thing that um, traditional Jewish folks do in New York where they sacrifice a bunch of uh, uh, roost, uh, chickens. Chickens, chickens, hands, and roosters. And they, and they just throw them away. Like they just sacrifice them and there's this big pile of birds left over. A lot of people don't know about this, but it's it's there. And, and so in- But people- I'm not, but people I'm not saying this in a condemning way. I mean, they have a right to live your life, but understand what people are doing and if it's not bothering you, then let people live. Let people exactly, live. exactly. It is the way that they communicate and interact with God. Right. It's their it's their religious practices that was developed through their culture, okay. <laughs> through their culture, okay. and it, that's why it's not foreign to them. It's foreign to you because it's not your culture. Right. And so I think that. When you put all this that we talked about together, those are the the hurdles that people have to 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 jump over. Not well, not jump over, learn through when coming out of Christianity, coming into African spirituality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about why we think there is this movement that's happening because I, I the numbers are really increasing. You wouldn't be seeing it in Lovecraft Country or you wouldn't see Beyonce um, putting it forth unless there was an audience for it. And I hear a lot of young people who are, um, even in a lot of rap songs now that I think about it, there there are people who are saying, we wanna do something different. This this other way isn't really working for us. We not feeling it. Why do you think that's that's happening? So let, let You, you have something to say about that, Glenda, because I, I surely do. I want you to go ahead. <laughs> well, I believe that um, who we are as African people is bursting through. I believe that we're moving more, the more freedom that we've gotten in this country, it has given us it's it's a it's it's set us on the path of of moving back to that which we were okay and i say that because initially we started doing things like um 
where we had the black power. We used to wear the Afros, but then we just kind of reverted back from all of that. But then we started pouring um, wine and beer and liquor to our homies. And that was libation. Mm-hmm. To me, that was the beginning of us really breaking forth to reverting back to Africanism or be or reverting back to being African-centered. I think that's a better, a better phrase for it. Mm-hmm. So we started that. Then we started naming ourselves like Chanteria. <laughs> no, we start no, we started using African sounding names. There, there, there's actually a book about that. I forgot the author that, that wrote it, but we started naming ourselves Shaquanda and you know all of these African sound, using these African sounds and naming ourselves, not knowing, but culture bursting forth, bursting through. So we started pouring libation to the homies, which was pouring, literally pouring libation to our ancestors. The more we did that, we started naming ourselves. And then we went from naming ourselves to really saying, I like my black skin. I love my natural hair. And we're just beginning to revert back. Just simple as that. All of the psychological chains from slavery are beginning to break away. And we're beginning to love who we are as African people. So when we do that, when we start to love ourselves and when we start to, this culture start to break forth, what happens? What did I tell you is a subset of culture? Mm, The way you communicate with God. Mm. Well, you know, your culture is not this, this Western, this Western culture that we live in here. We know that that's not ours. So what do we do? (laughs) What do we do? We start looking back to what our ancestors actually practice and i think that that's the reason why it's happening and it's it, and i have an i have an organization called ifarisha collective and i'm going to tell you i get hit up two and three times a day by people wanting to learn west african arisha i mean i have i have connections of priests around the country here in the us in the diaspora and i i like to place people with someone that they can someone that's geographically close to them because a lot of the way that this West African Orisha spirituality is taught, it's, 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 a, it's, it's, it's been handed down verbally. We have, you know, we have some of our scholars and priests and priestesses that are putting stuff in writing now that, you know, can help people to, to, to get an understanding, but you know, the deep spirituality, the deep knowledge, the deep technology of it is still being taught from one person to the next. And so you have to get with a good priest that has been trained um, from, you know, the West African or um, West African um, Orisha way. And, And then of course, even in West African Orisha, you have different lineages. And then you have those offspring religions that, um, or those ways of practicing that are here in the diaspora, like Lukami Santeria and um, Condomble and Vodun in, in Haiti. You know, all of those have the same pretty much theological structure of West African Orisha. Um, you, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't 
acknowledge the fact that a lot of those ways of lives have been um, demonized by Hollywood and demonized by people that don't understand them at all. And so therefore it has a bad reputation. I've been called a witch. I've been called all kinds of names, you know, because people just don't understand um, what, what, what we do. But the reason why you have people that you, you that the exodus that you see coming out of Christianity is I think it's culture bursting forth. It's it's culture coming, the culture that is within our DNA that our ancestors handed down to us, it's just bursting forth. And we have the desire to know who we are and to practice the culture that we once knew and to connect with the God in the way that we, as uh, the way that we and our ancestors connected with God. And I think that that's the reason why. I feel you on that. I do. I, I, I also want to add to that. I feel that it's the time. Odu talked about it being the time for what's happening now. Um, it's our new millennium was more than about it being a new millennium on you know the year the a new century we are waking up and it's time it is our time we are seeing with different eyes we are feeling things differently than we once did and even though there were things that changed our dna and on our journey we still have our DNA that connects to our roots. And if things can feel right, we know they're right. And no one had to tell us that because it is, it's part of who we are. And so it, it's the time for the awakening. It's a time of change in this world, um, a change in power, a change in so much. It, it, it is the time. Now, some of us were a little bit ahead of what other people are. And that was, we agreed to do that and to be that when we were incarnated, when our spirit agreed to come into this body, we agreed to go through all of what we have chosen, what we are going through. That can, it can be challenging. However, just, I can remember being really young. I have my fourth grade school picture with me wearing my head wrap. And my fourth grade school picture was maybe early 70s, late 60s. I, I can't remember right now exactly what year it was, but I wore a head wrap that I wrapped every day and I was called all kinds of names and I was teased. And so for a while I got away from it because I wanted to be comfortable but it, with, with my peers. However, I always would gravitate back to, to it because mm -hmm. it just felt right to me. Mm -hmm. and, so I, and I don't know that I don't think I'm the only one. I don't feel that there's so many of us. Mm -hmm. But now those same people who teased me will say Ashe to me. Or those same people who teased me, you know, what to say queen or they love their black skin or happy to be nappy right. or whatever. Okay, and yeah, so, yeah. They're rocking the head wraps. Right. They, they are rocking head wraps. And so I try my, I have worked through my feelings of, well, you gave me such a hard time and just welcome. I'm glad that they're opening their eyes and accepting accepting who they are. I was going to say something new, but it's really not new. It's just your awakening to who you really are. To yeah. who you are. 
Because for so long, we always tried to change who we are, you know, perming our hair and, you know, um, all, all of that stuff. That bleaching we our skin. I saw that when I was in. Bleaching. Girl, bleaching. <laughs> bleaching. Wow. That was a lot for me. Yeah, but, you know, that's that's trauma. That's that's psychological trauma. You know, what that is, you know, just can you imagine somebody making you not like who you are? That's what happened. That's psychological trauma. But we're being healed. It's like you said, the universe has shifted. Yes. Things, has. things are happening. Yeah, that Black is King was really powerful. Um, and when you have somebody on that stage who can put that level of information out in that way, um, like that's going to shift some stuff. Uh, because some people are just going to be like, well, because she's doing it, they want to do it. Other people are going to, well, what is she doing? Some people are like, what is she doing? <laughs> right? So you got those people too. And people, some people just wasn't feeling it at all. But it is moving the needle and pushing the conversation forward. And it is having an impression and changing the minds of folks and putting us back. It's centering Blackness in a way that um, can't be done or wasn't able to be done in such a uh, profound way because it's right there on the screen in your face unapologetically black and I, and I love that about um, the way she's doing it even if there may be some discrepancies or inaccuracy you know just take the whole picture don't you know parse every little detail look at the bigger picture of how this is moving folks along in a way that um, you know, centers us and allows us to uh, uh, empower ourselves. I appreciate that. I, I, I wish, what I wish people would do about with Black is King is before even watching the visual um, um, video that, that Beyonce did is just sit down and just read the words to all the songs. Mm -hmm. There you go, read the red text. Read the red text. Read the, read the black text. Right, right. Read the words. Read the Because yeah. I think the words to the songs are far more powerful, far more powerful than the visual um, depiction of of what she of what she did. Absolutely. Um, so, because I, I think when I when I first saw it, I was like, hmm. <laughs> I was like. Hmm. But I had to go back and listen to the music because I hadn't listened to. I know that I heard that the, the the music came out like a year before, or whatever. And and I'm not a big I'm not a big Beyonce fan. I mean, I've seen her in concert and all that other good stuff, but I never listened to that music, especially doing what I'm doing. I, I study more than anything else. You better be careful. The Beehive gonna come for you. I mean, I love Beyonce. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love her. But I just wasn't a fan of hers. I wasn't a fan to the point where I ran and bought her music every time it dropped. Right. And so I had not, I didn't know the words to the, the lyrics to the song. Mm. And then once I listened to the lyrics, that's when I was like, it, within myself, because I know a lot of people was like, oh, you guys are, you, you guys are praising Beyonce. You need to be praising some of these Orisha priests that have been praying for this country and praying for these people. And yes, we need to praise them too. 
but nobody has a platform right. like Beyonce has. I give her credit. I, I honor her. I mean, I, I was at a, I was actually at an Arisha uh, at an Ocean Festival in New Orleans, and her sister came. Mm -hmm. And so she actually, um, Salon is that her name? Solange, yeah, she she actually came to the um, the Oshun Festival, so she was there. So I knew even before all of this came out that there was some things happening in their family, and I think Beyonce and Jay Z got initiated in Cuba, mm -hmm. so they got initiated under the Lukami system, I think. But um, and and then seeing all the depictions that she has done in the past, you know, when she was pregnant, she was doing the Oshun pictures and stuff like that. It's 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 mainly uh, a Lukami perception of Oshun, not a West African um, perception of Oshun. So it comes from there. So I mean, it, uh -huh. comes, it comes from there. It, it it it's a evolution, evolutionary process, uh, and everything in its own place, right? It, it serves, it moves the needle forward and centers African people. Absolutely. I, I absolutely agree with agree with you that it moves the needle forward. Like I said, I when I see young brothers here in Miami with with elekes around their neck, I always stop and ask them, you know, what are you wearing? Why, you know, why, why you, you know, just to, to spark the conversation, yeah. because to let them know that, you know, a lot of don't know that it's rooted in Africa, that it's rooted from Africa. You know, they think it's a a, a Cuban. Um, tradition or a, a Cuban and it is a Cuban tradition right. and and we appreciate that and and we honor that as well um but it that there, there are roots um the roots go back further to to Africa and so and and, and there, there are some variations of how it's practiced and some of the um the um underlining meanings of, of different things like you know Yemunja in in um in Lukami is the top of the ocean. Um and Yemuja in West Africa is a river. So it's, it's things like that, just small, you know, not small, the variations, put it that way. Hmm. So um, but yeah, people tend to trans they 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 they're transitioning out of it because, like Linda said, there is a shift in the universe. People are, I think, culture is bursting forward in, in us. The DNA that's that that our ancestors <laughs> are bursting forth, and that you know we're wanting to know, you know, in 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 our Africanness, who are we, and what did we do, and how did we do it? And pop culture is called pop culture for a reason. So the things that are in pop culture wouldn't be there. If there, if it wasn't popular, mm -hmm. and so just the the thought that there are more references to African spiritual practices across every form of media, um, in so many things we do, and what we wear, and what we do with our hair, all of that. Um, I'm happy that there is an awakening. And it doesn't matter to me how you feel about it, even if you aren't sure about it, but if it makes you think, if it causes you to question what you're doing now and why you're doing what you do, I embrace it because we need to open up and think more about 
why? We, like you said, Ifeitayo, it's culture. And sometimes we don't understand and we haven't even given much thought to why we do what we do. And I think the more that we are exposed to things that make us think are a different way of looking at something, it will open us up to more and more change. And I am fully embracing it and looking forward to it. And I agree with you, it doesn't matter for what reason you come, because for whatever reason you come, spirit has drawn you. Yes. And whatever whatever avenue or vehicle that spirit wants to use to draw you, because we don't we don't do any um, evangelism in our way of life, because mm -hmm. we believe that spirit, you know, like you say, when we were in heaven, when we were in heaven, when we were all around, we came from all around, we decided this path. We selected the ori that we have, and spirit will eventually bring us to the point of. Um, understanding our destiny and following that destiny. So it doesn't matter how you come. I got exposed to African tradition through African dance. I was a dancer. Yeah. I was a trained ballerina and I just loved dance. And I I was 17 years old. I'll never forget. I had, I had been trained in ballet, modern tap, jazz, Dunham and all of that. And I stumbled on the... Um, the African Culture Center on uh, here in Miami, and there was some African dancers in there, and and I went in, and I was all turned out. I was all turned out. I had my nice long neck, and my shoulders were pressed down, and you know I had no booty and all that other good stuff. I just walked in there like the prima ballerina that I was, and I said, "I want to learn African dance," and they looked at me and they were like, "Who? What?" And as I began to learn African dance and they taught me the movement, it took them about a year for them to turn me back in. But um, just learning the movements and understanding what they meant, I started saying, wow, this actually has meaning. You know, me rubbing from the top of my stomach to the bottom of my stomach represents, you know, the, the, pregnant, the, uh, the pregnancy of a woman that's getting ready to give birth. Every movement had a meaning and it was symbolic of something. That was my, that was my initial attraction to African culture. So it was through dance. And then of course my study in religion that it all came together. So it doesn't matter what vehicle spirit decides to draw you, whether it's African dance or somebody that you meet. I can remember my ex-boyfriend, I was actually, he was actually Rastafarian when I met him. And, um, you know, we were together for about five years and, you know, just watching my life, he decided he wanted to practice West African Arisha. So that was how spirit drawed him through, you know, through just being there, watching me do what I do every day and live my life and seeing the manifestations of Arisha in my life, you know, so it doesn't matter how you come. Spirit's going to draw you. I think we all experience that with people that are we, that we are exposed to or, or are exposed to us. Um, will I've been around people for let's say years, and then one day they'll come in and they'll ask me a question about my spiritual practice, or they'll ask me about something as simple as um, saging. Linda, you know anything about? smudging with sage or 
Glenda, do you know anything about spiritual baths and cleansing? I've had all of these things happen over the last probably three to five years where my clients will ask me questions about things that I've been exposed to, never shared with them. But for some reason, on one day, they come in and we have a two hour long conversation about something that is African centered. And I love it. I see it happening more and more. Yeah. Well, this has been a really good conversation about this, this um, evolutionary process. Uh, yeah, I've enjoyed this. Um, you want to you want to offer any closing thoughts before we wrap up here? Well, I, first of all, I want to thank you, Dr. Smith and Glenda, for having me. Um, I listen to the podcast all the time, and I'm always learning. I love the fact that you guys are open to discussing so many different spiritual paths. So in closing on this topic, I would just say, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid when spirit knocks on your door and wants to introduce you to something different. Don't be afraid. You know, God's got us all. Okay. Well, again, we are very appreciative of you um, gracing us with your presence. And we'll have you back more in the future because our conversations are always so lively. And we want to thank our audience, as always, for um, rocking with us, for um, expanding your mind. And, you know, we always want to leave you uh, with being a critical thinker, opening your mind, coming outside of the box, uh, challenging your way of thinking about things and understanding um, this thing called life in a much bigger way, and ultimately aligning your actions and your values, whatever it is that you believe. So thank you again for joining us, and we will talk to you next time on Tapping Into Spirit. So in closing, we'd like to encourage you to embrace the concept of change and learning something new. Continue to evolve, continue to transform, continue to thrive, and find your own personal path to tapping into spirit. And I was obviously too blind and probably too weak to see who was responsible for my losing streak.